You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. Mid-range wide receivers last week. We're going to talk about mid-range running backs. Uh, you know, we can talk about good and bad, but basically calling out our, our favorite running backs we like from the mid-range on. I think we used, what, round five or later last time? Yeah, we started at round okay, five. Okay, so let's uh, – you got to – let's see. Let's, let's kick it off around – let's just pick like um, – how about pick 40 on? So on a typical ADP, guys like Jonathan Taylor, Mark Ingram, Montgomery, Singletary, those guys are actually falling to 45 range. If you want to pick a guy in that range, you can, or if you want to go even later, what running backs are standing out kind of essentially around that 40 to 50 overall range for you? What's crazy is I was actually talking to one of my buddies about this earlier this morning. We were comparing David Montgomery and Jonathan Taylor. You know, I'm, I'm really torn because I, we got burned pretty bad with, with David Montgomery and all the high expectations we had last year for him. But it's one of the back to the well on that one. Or do you want to take more of a risky pick, in my opinion, and go for a Jonathan Taylor, who I'm not expecting a lot for or a lot from from the beginning of the season. But I think after week eight, when he firmly establishes himself over Marlon Mack, he could be a guy that could really, really turn it on late at the end of the year. So it's 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 risk and reward at that point. Are you willing to sacrifice, in my opinion, the beginning of the season to try to make a run at the fantasy playoffs if everything comes to fruition? So, you know, that's kind of a, a, a tricky situation. And I think there's a couple of guys a little later on that I, I think offer a little bit more more value than those two if – uh, if you can wait. So a guy like Kareem Hunt's going around 54 to 60 overall, even 51 sometimes that high, which would be like 5.01, 5.02 to about 5.08 if you wanted to get his ADP exact. Do you take a guy like Kareem Hunt who's going to get more steady production early on that may not, may not, he could, but may not see as much volume as Jonathan Taylor later on in the season? How do you weigh those two against each other? I look at it as PPR versus non-PPR. In a PPR league, I would absolutely – you've got – because I th- uh, they've been running him a lot with the wide receiver core. They're going to line him up in the slot. And for the very end of the year, he was averaging four or five receptions just out of the running back role from last year. So I think – but from a standard league, I think I would rather have Jonathan Taylor because – I think his rushing volume towards the end of the season is going to make up for the lack of uh, receptions. So, so PPR, PPR, you you like Hunt a ton more in a standard non-PPR. You like uh, Jonathan Taylor. That's that's not like that. That seems par for the course. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I I kind of think Kareem Hunt still the guy I might roll with only because you know call it gut instinct, call it totally unverified speculation. <laughs> But I, I just think that they're going to use him, like you just said, in the PPR game. He's catching passes anyways. I think they're going to use him so much that that he's going to have a nice floor value that I'm going to be comfortable with as a very low-end running back, too. And my gut, for whatever reason, is just screaming that this guy is going to win leagues for people in 2020. He's one of my league winners. Cream Hunt's one of my must-owns if you can get him at the right price, which isn't always the case because 5.01 is that's a high draft pick. Um, you're talking about, you know, guys we just mentioned, David Montgomery, Singletary, DK Metcalf, uh, DJ Chark. You're passing on some of those guys if you're taking 
Kareem Hunt. So it's not it's not the it's not a move I do in every league, but in leagues where I want to build my running back two later and focus on you know maybe my running back one and and wide receivers and a tight end or if I go Mahomes early, I feel like Hunt's that perfect sneaky good running back two that a lot of people are going to rip on when they do team evaluations at the end of your draft, be like, Oh, you know, Hunt's your number two running back. Well, you know, I'm going to have a supporting cast around him. That's going to make that well worth that, that risk in my opinion, but I could totally see Jonathan Taylor tearing it up at the end of the year. He seems like that, that special running back. Um, and if, if given the right amount of touches could be, you know, that a guy that's drafted in 2021 as a top 12 overall player, uh, so I see the appeal. I just, as you mentioned at the beginning, can you weather through a slow start? Because I'm thinking he gets almost no, no PPR work, at least initially and maybe all year long. And if he starts off sharing carries on the first and second down work, what's that leave him? You know, is he like a one third, one fourth running back share uh, type player, you know? to start off the year. I mean, it might not be good yardage or good, good production at all. Right. And it's one of the the main kind of focuses that I look at is that rookies coming in, most of them are not good in pass protection and we don't really know what he's got. Now, granted the system he ran at Wisconsin is basically the exact same system he's got in Indianapolis. So I, I think he's going to be familiar with a lot of the schemes and, and a lot of the things they are wanting to run down there, but, can he handle the pass blocking? And, I, and Marlon Mack is, is a decent pass blocker in himself. So I really think that in that point, Kareem Hunt, uh, that would scare me initially with Jonathan Taylor, but we know Kareem Hunt's a proven commodity. And I think they're going to use him a lot like um, Tariq Cohen was for the Bears last year. They're going to line him up in the slot. They're going to throw him the ball. And But I think that Kareem Hunt in the actually in the, uh, the beginning of the year is going to have significantly more running yards because I think – He's or more total yards passing and receiving combined, just because I think he's going to get more more targets that way. Yeah, it's it, it's it's just kind of risky. yeah, it's a risk either way. Like it's a risk passing on a guy like Jonathan Taylor because, like you said, week eight or week nine, we might see a you know a league winner in him, and passing on Kareem Hunt is a risk because you're getting more now production. And what did he have? Let me pull up his stats from last year. He had 37 receptions, um, you know, and again, that's not playing until week 10. He had 37 receptions for 285 yards, not amazing yardage, and one TD. I wouldn't be shocked at all. It, even if Chubb stayed healthy all year, Stefanski ran the hell out of him, him. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Kareem Hunt still pulled in 65 receptions for like, you know, 500, 550, and like four or five touchdowns, like on a – yeah. On a normal, what people expect out of him type of season, not starting games. But if he starts four or five games, he's going to be a beast, you know, for people that, that have him in a, in a spot that that they have packaged in that risk that he may not even get starts. Like, I, I just, I, 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 lo- I love him in 2020. I do too. I completely agree with that. Um, okay, so any other players jump out to you in that, like, 55-65 range? All right, let's look at it. Um, not not really. All the guys that are kind of going in that range, too, you're looking at, you know, Mostert, guys, 
Taylor. We talked about Hunt. Damian Williams a little bit later. So not not too much in that range. Yeah, Mostert's tough because, you know, he's threatening to hold out. Um, I don't think he will. He has zero leverage. We talked about that on one of the last podcasts. But, you know, he's so quick. Um, he's in the second or first best rushing offense in the entire NFL. I just think he's going to have a short leash because of how they do rotate their running backs. But at, at, you know, 60 to 65 overall value, he might even be falling into the 65, 70 overall value range, given that there's that holdout threat. People might be letting him fall just to touch. like him there. Uh, I don't like Akers. I like Swift more than I like Akers. And, and Swift is going in the 62 to 67 range. Um, that, to me, is a pretty pretty decent range. And I take him, you know, nine times out of ten, or if not ten times out of ten, over Acres. So, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> I think this year might be the year we disagree on the Rams situation. But it's also I see everything you're saying, and I and it might just be wishful thinking because I've seen what McVay can do with running backs and Gurley. Like Curly, obviously had a bad year last year and still finished as RB twelve. So it's one of those deals where. Who who is going to be the lead running back in in, in LA? It, I think eventually Cam Akers has more talent. I think he's going to excel and, and eventually win that job. Because I I just think that if Daryl Henderson was the guy, he would have been. They would have given him the ball more and more opportunities last year. And clearly Malcolm Brown was was ahead of of Daryl Henderson at the end of the year last year. So. You know, I was kind of looking at Cam Akers' college stats, which obviously we all know college stats do not translate to the NFL. I get it. But the point that I kind of – the stat that really jumped out to me is that at Florida State, their offensive line was literally one of the bottom five offensive lines in all of college football. Of all 100-whatever teams they are, they were horrendous. And he still managed 1,144 yards, averaged five yards a carry and four touchdowns, running with – no room to go. I mean, he, he was getting hit in the backfield religiously last year, just over and over and over, and he was still athletically good enough to make plays. So I think that his raw athleticism and good vision, and he's just a good running back, I think that's going to prevail towards the end of the year if he, if they give him the ball. Um, and I just think with Swift, I obviously he's a good player. He's got a lot of talent. But Matt Patricia scares me with running backs. What they do in Detroit – just I have no faith, no confidence whatsoever in any form of running game in in Detroit. And look what Stafford and, and Galladay and Marvin Jones were doing before Stafford got hurt last year. I mean, they were putting up video game numbers. And then all of a sudden they get hurt. So you would think with a, a bad quarterback, they would try to lean on the run and, and try to help him out. Nope, they still tried to throw the ball. They wouldn't give the ball to carry on. And granted, he was hurt. They just – that was just a bad situation last year. And I – I just don't have a lot of faith in the Lions' run game. So that's the only reason why I would go Cam Akers over DeAndre And Swift. you're not alone, man. I, I'm probably one of the the minority in in ranking Akers really, 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 really low, like to the point where I won't even draft him anywhere near where he's getting taken. So I just won't own him in 2020. But everything you just said about Detroit, I feel the same way about the Rams. I, I don't trust the Rams at all. Um, and, and yes, the touchdowns were there for Todd Gurley, um, but but Henderson wasn't even really given a shot. Now, there could be some behind the scenes stuff that we don't know about in practice. He wasn't picking up things the way they wanted. What You know, that, that definitely could explain some things. But the bottom line is most people 
I feel like are too harsh on Daryl Henderson's rookie season saying, oh, he sucked. He didn't do it. He got 30-something carries. You know, you can't judge a running back off 30 carries. Oh, and I think Daryl Henderson's got yeah. all the talent in the world. I mean, look what he did at Memphis. The kid, has, he's electric when the ball is in his hands. And you're completely right. He wasn't given None. a chance. But that is kind of the red flag for me. It's like, why wasn't – if he's that electric, why did you because not give him the I, ball? So that's my yeah, that's my no, and I And I, I think a lot of people agree with you. But my, my thinking would be what what makes anyone think it's, it's Henderson and it's not the Rams coaching staff with rookie running backs. It's not the Rams coaching staff with their poor decisions that they've made since, the, you know, dating back to before the Super Bowl uh, when they said that they, they misused or didn't use – Todd Gurley like I don't trust anything that comes out of their mouth and and so I'm just thinking that a lot of the acres believers are going to be in the same boat that I was in last year when I walked into 2020 thinking talent's going to win out they 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 moved up to get Daryl Henderson they obviously wanted him he was the he's the number one running back in college football history in 60 plus years of stat collection number one in college football history in yards per attempt more 20 and 40 plus yard runs than anybody in the nation. And I think he averaged seven point, I want to say 7.9 yards per carry uh, in, in 7.7 or something in the sevens in back-to-back seasons, which was unbelievable. And if you watch his film, yes, he's playing lesser, uh, lesser defenses, you could say, and, and make that argument. But if you watch his film, he's just flat out dominant and explosive. And, and, the only negative that I can come up with for Daryl Henderson is that he didn't produce during his rookie year on 30 carries. Everything else points to this guy being set up to be. Because when I say I don't like Cam Akers, most people run straight to, oh, he's still on the Daryl Henderson train for 2020, but I'm not. I don't trust that situation altogether. The only thing that makes me like Daryl Henderson in 2020 still is that his cost is so little you can get him in well into the double digit rounds acres you got to get early so i'm pretty much staying away from the situation entirely but i'm back on board because daryl henderson's in the late double digit round range right then i wouldn't take cam acres until the eighth round i mean so that's kind of i know we're talking probably i think his, his adp is what six eight mid sixes early seven something like that uh yeah i would say um that that range sure yeah i just that's too early for me but i think he would be really good value as your third running back in the eighth round if if you were in a situation like that which i wouldn't that's not a situation i want to be in but if that's your situation i think he'd be a good rb3 third running back in the eighth round well yeah yeah adp's 5.09 Okay, then that's absolutely yeah, so not So that, that's kind of where my argument is coming from. Not like 80. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, yeah. I'm completely in agreement. Like, it's yeah. like, how can you pay? How can you buy him right next to a Mostert? How can you buy him right next to? And I believe I'm looking at redraft ADP. Let me just make sure. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, this doesn't look like Dynasty. He's going in the, at least the six round range. And it just, that's just one of my voids. I, I, I'm just not touching that Rams running back situation unless it's double digit round range. But the the thing I, I, I can't I, I I'm rooting for Daryl Henderson. I'm not counting on him. I'm not banking on anything at this point with the Rams coaching staff. Honestly, I, I'm I'm done with it. But I'm totally rooting for him. I think the door is cracked open. I think the fact that they didn't use him much at all as a rookie makes me feel like they might do the same thing with Akers. 
Um, and with this shortened offseason, not being able to absorb things, I don't see Akers getting in there anytime soon at even a close to a, a you know heavy workload type capacity. For me, it's it's just, you know, Will Henderson pop off a couple big explosive runs like he did all through his entire college career. Again, more 40 and 20 plus yard runs than anybody in the nation. This is if he has a 40, 50 yard rumble to the end zone, he's going to get another chance. He's going to get another chance. And I just hope I just hope this guy gets a, a fair shot. I really do. Not just because of my predictions that I made for him, which I was wrong on. And I take full of, uh, ownership of that. I misjudged this situation entirely situation. You cannot separate from player priest. Holmes was priest Holmes, not because he had the most talent in the world, but because the, he had the right amount of talent with the right situation and team. And, and I misjudged how they were going to use Daryl Henderson. And that's on me. Um, that was definitely one of my bigger misses in 2020, 2019. But I hope to, I hope to God, this guy proves me right. And just, you know, gets a shot for his own sake. I agree. Um, David Montgomery's interesting at 4.08 because I still, you know, he's another one that that rookie class last year, I think was way more talented than, than what we ended up with. And result wise, I mean, Singletary, I think didn't get going till later and proved he could be, you know, a, a, a force at the NFL level, but will they even give him enough work? People are still worried about where, where he fits into that offense and how much workload he's going to get when they go and get Zach Moss. And, you know, it's funny. He had such a good finish, but people are ranking him sometimes in the fifth, sixth round range. Uh, David Montgomery looked like a top five to 10 running back heading into his rookie year. Um, I think a lot of people got caught up in that. I did. I know I did. And Nagy pretty much ruined him, you know, and and now we've got our trust in Nagy and that Chicago bears coaching staff again, it, it makes a very, very uneasy. It makes a very uneasy feeling when you make David Montgomery like your second running back, um, and you kind of got to at a four point oh eight range. What do you think about David Montgomery? Are you buying in, in in at least a couple leagues, one league, no leagues? Honestly, at four point oh eight, I'm out completely on David Montgomery at that point. Just if you look at what Nagy has done, I had no faith in that coaching situation that. He was doing some of the stupidest coaching decisions last year I've ever seen. When you have Cordell Patterson running the ball, you know, on fourth and one, third and one, and not David Montgomery, what are you thinking? What do you what what is the logic putting a wide receiver at running back like that when you have a proven guy who like David Montgomery who can be a bulldozer when he wants to? He's got a low center of gravity. He can get you one yard as opposed to a guy who is not familiar with that situation. Like just I just the travesty of that situation last year has just left such a sour taste in my mouth. I'm I'm out on David Montgomery in the in the fourth round. If he slips to the sixth, I'm all over it. I think he'd be a good uh, running back, your third running back. But I have I, I would not feel good with him being your second running back in any format. Ronald whatsoever. Jones is interesting at seven point oh one. He's getting a lot of hype lately. Um, kind of surprising because he's he's pretty much disappointed um, since the beginning. Uh, when he entered the league and I think a lot of people think he could take a big step forward. I like Keyshawn Vaughn. The interesting thing is you can get Ronald Jones at 7.1 and Keyshawn Vaughn's redraft values in like the eight range. So if you wanted to, you could probably almost scoop up both these guys and secure yourself a really solid flex option because you're probably going to get 
really good numbers out of one of them, even if they rotated. I think they'll they'll roll with one guy at a time, so you'd be able to make that decision before kickoff on, right. on most occasions. So I do like Ronald Jones. You think he could have a a bounce back? Look. I actually kind of like Ronald Jones this year. He actually came on pretty strong last year at the end of the season. Uh, for the most part, when they actually decided to give him the ball, it's it's again. I keep going back to that old adage: if you just give someone the ball and give them an opportunity, let's see what they can do. And he took he made the most of his opportunities last year. I mean, he's not a power back, but look what he was doing inside the red zone last year. I mean, he was scoring when he gave the opportunity. So, you know, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is a good fit for that system. But I think that Bruce Arians deep down wants Ronald Jones to be the guy. Uh, that's just a gut situation, gut call. I've got no inside information, and I've got. No, no facts for a basis for yeah. that opinion. But I just think that they want him. I, I think that they want to make him that guy. So I, I am, a, I'm in on Ronald Jones in the yeah. I mean, he, he looking at his game log from last year, he had one 80 yard game in week three, a 70 yard game in week four. Um, you know, not too much going on until the final two weeks in week 16, week 17. He had 77 yards and a touchdown in week 16 against the Texans, and then in Week 17 against the Falcons, he had 11 carries for 106, and that was kind of what I think triggered some people to think, oh, my God, this guy you know, ended on a good note. Uh, they may they use him a ton now that Brady's there. They may, they may use him like Brady's used so many other running backs and done pretty well with him. But, yeah, it's, it's, I think if you compare the two cheaply, it's not a bad option. Um, other running backs in the let's see 7.05 to like 8.5 range would be like um Howard Tevin Coleman a lot of people are on high on Tevin Coleman right now but I I just don't see any realistic scenario where where Mostert's not in San Francisco so I think that this is all just like a propped up false sense of of value for for Tevin Coleman um, yeah, I'm I'm out on pretty much all of the San Francisco running game. I think that's going to be a clear running back by committee. Most will be the one, and people forget about Jarrett McKinnon. I mean, they made a big push for him before he got hurt last year. I mean, they gave up some draft capital, went up and traded for him uh, from the Vikings, and I think they're going to use him. I really think that um, he'll have a pretty good workload this year, and I think he's being very undervalued right there. So I, I'm not a fan of Coleman, where he's going at. But one guy that you said that interests me a lot right there is Jordan Howard. And it's one of those situations where somebody's got to score. Somebody's got to run the ball. And I don't think that Matt Breida is going to be the, the first and second down back. And Jordan Howard, is he's not incapable of catching the ball. And so I really think that he could have a, a sneaky good year being your you know wide receiver – I mean, a running back two or three. But obviously – it's it's and there's a lot of risk right there. Yeah, Brady's going at like eight point one zero. Howard's going at uh, seven point one zero to like eight point oh four. So you could you could do another like dual pairing there. But I I yeah I don't know. I don't trust my Miami. Feels a lot like well I don't know if you can even compare anybody to Miami in terms of how they ruin running backs. Uh, the Je- uh, Gase you know carry it over to the Jets. I think Gase has um, really been the biggest problem for running backs, but but I think uh, I I still feel like Howard's a tough sell for me, maybe because he's he's done. Yeah. That. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not thrilled about that. I'm not thrilled about it, and I'm kind of I'm real hesitant to even bring that name up. 
But, you know, in that eighth or ninth round, yeah, that could be – I mean, that's – it's you're, I always try to look for guys with high upside, and he's not that guy. But for your third running back, True. that's a safe, it's a safe play. Yeah, you're not gonna. I, there's really no high ceiling. I could get on. Whatsoever. I could get on board as a as a flex or or something like that. I I think. I mean, he's not that far removed from being a pretty talented running back at the NFL level. So, uh, I, I Madison, Lap Murray, um, Lindsey, uh, Carry on Johnson, Zach Moss. These are all the players kind of in that that nine to ten round range. Chase Edmonds, uh, Gibson's an interesting running back um, in Washington. They they are now going to be down a wide receiver. They may use Gibson at wide receiver and running back. He's, he's compared oftentimes to like Christian McCaffrey by that coaching staff, which I think is a reckless tag. But uh, you know he's definitely got some appeal. Tony Pollard at ten point oh eight. I kind of like I kind of like Tony Pollard, Gibson. And and like uh, uh, Lat- Latavius Murray and Alexander Madison, who are like ninth to tenth round range, almost better than like the seventh to eighth round running backs that, that are falling. Um, you know, I almost take a stab on a Tony Pollard versus taking a stab multiple rounds earlier on like a you know Tevin Coleman or um, you know a Geis. Like I'm not I'm not sold on Geis at all, and he's going at almost the late sixth round to early seventh, right? That you can you took the words just right out of my mouth. Guys does nothing for me this year, and and I think I just it would I have no confidence in that situation. So I completely agree with everything. You like just Pollard, said. you'd rather have Alexander Madison, Pollard, someone like that that could that could be a home run. So I love Alexander Madison when he got the ball when he had the opportunity last year. Even coming in on getting his four or five carries a game, he made the best of them. Yeah. He was running four or five yards a carry. He looked good. And right now, you just never know what Dalvin Cook's going to do if he really does hold out. Well, guess what? Alexander Madison's a top ten overall running back. Yeah, it's not. And it's so not that that's that's the flower. It, yeah, might, maybe top five if he gets the opportunity. So runs hard. That's a situation. I'm 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 all over at Madison in the ninth and tenth. I'm taking him, and you don't want to go crazy. And I'm not saying take him in every league, but I'm going to take him in a, a, a good share of leagues yeah. in that with that value. Yeah, Tony Pollard, Madison, Hunt. Um, even J.K. Dobbins, and then uh, Latavius Murray. Those are like my my super, super running back. Um, I don't even want to say stashes because in some some cases you can use them as a flex, but these are the guys that are home run hitting, worth the grab running backs that, that if they get into their lineup, they win you leagues. Like and And Madison, like you just said, such a tough runner. Not only does he have the appeal just – standalone potential flex value he's potentially in a holdouts in the middle of a holdout situation with his starter in front of him that could open the door to early season work and and everybody thinking that that running backs can't hold out because the new cba i don't think i think everybody's giving these guys too much credit (laughs) that they're going to make the 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 right call you know they're going to make the call that they feel is right for them they're going to make a make a statement they're they're watching guys like Pat Mahomes and Dak Prescott flirting with 200 and 300 million dollar contracts and they can barely get, you know, 4 or 5 million uh, you know, they're they're going to feel very very slighted and it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past a running back to still make a a statement that is a horrible move for them financially, but they're just trying to make a statement 
and stand up for the running back position in general. That's kind of what Bell, I think, was trying to stand for when he made his move. And a lot of people ripped on what he did. And I'm, I'm one of them. I think he left a lot of, I think he left like 20 million on the table and yeah, he's slowly making some of that back. But what people forget is that he would be making more than that. You know, had he played, had he signed that $20 million deal with Pittsburgh, he would have, I got, I think got like 10 or 15 of it that first year. Um, so these guys are willing to, I, I don't know if it's bad advice or they just want to stand on the principle. I don't, I don't, financially, I don't think they've got the right people surrounding them because that Le'Veon such a situation was just, that was hard to watch going through there because he, everything you could do wrong, he did wrong in that situation. And he was trying, he kept, oh, it's about the money. It's about the money. Well, he lost millions and millions and millions in the process. And he goes, I don't regret it. And I'm like, but your, your end game yeah. was to get, a higher contract and you've got a lower contract for anybody and you lost a whole year's worth. of Yeah. Revenue. For anybody saying he didn't in the end lose anything, he did because he's 15, he's oh, yeah, $15 million behind no matter what way you look at it, because yeah, he ended up signing a deal that may have been like, I don't even think it was actually that close, but let's just per, for argument's sake, say it was close to the same deal. He's still one year behind and running backs don't have a long shelf life. He, he for sure lost that one year, which I believe was guaranteed about $15 million, and And he made what? A statement to what? Make less money? To see a deal that was not greater? But I, I don't know. I, I just think that for people to think Cook couldn't hold out or wouldn't hold out for sure because of the new CBA, I think that that could be a recipe for disappointment. Um, but, but you could handcuff Madison to Cook with no problem. So if you draft Cook, which I still you have to draft Madison. If you if you draft Alvin Cook, you one hundred percent have to draft Alexander and, Madison. And, like that is non negotiable in my. And mind. unlike Hunt, Madison's a very easy guy to, to handcuff. Hunt is going at five point one to five point oh eight. You you draft Chubb, there's a good chance you won't draft Madison. I'd say at least fifty percent chance you won't be owning Madison. Or sorry, Hunt, you won't be on, owning. Correct. Hunt. Yeah. If you draft Cook, you one hundred percent have an option to take Madison around early and it won't affect you all that much. Just you have to agree. Yeah. Cause at that point you've already filled your start. You, you already have a starting lineup by the time you even had the opportunity to draft Madison. Yeah. So you're not giving up anything and you're having the best handcuff in, in fantasy. Yeah. Football. And, and, and so to speak to Madison's value, not only does he have the good standalone flex value that you mentioned, not only does he have the potential, opportunity to start games because of a Dalvin Cook holdout but Dalvin Cook also is labeled and rightfully so somewhat of an injury risk right so you also have that that potential especially if you couple that with a holdout holdouts oftentimes lead to injury because players aren't as prepared now depends on how long he holds out if he misses a lot of contact and things like that Madison has a whole lot of reason to believe he could start games in 2020. There's just, there's, it's, it's, it's a great grab and, and stash or even play at flex. Um, I think past that, man, we're, we're digging into the 10th, 12th. I mean, Daryl Henderson's there at 11.01. I mentioned him already. I think that's, you know, low risk value. Who you, who you passing on Justin Jackson? Um, uh, <laughs> I you know yeah, Justin Jackson doesn't do a whole lot for yeah. me. Uh, Duke Duke Johnson Duke Johnson Boston Scott. I mean, some of those guys I gr- I grab. I'm not saying they're awful, but that's where Daryl Henderson's sitting. Like I'm well, 
you know, super okay with passing on a Christian Kirk, uh, on a, a Rager rookie wide receivers. I'm taking a rookie wide receiver like Rager over a Daryl Henderson was potentially got a shot to, to play running back for the Rams in 2020. Um, I actually believe it or not. I actually like Boston Scott this yeah. year as, as you know, your fourth running back. Uh, what he, his, he saw very, very limited action last year. I like him. But did you realize in the last four games of the season, he was the seventh highest scoring running back in fantasy football. Yeah, I, I, I and I didn't mean to say that he wasn't a great rep. I just meant uh, Daryl Henderson. Yeah, Boston Scott, man. He uh, let me pull up his stats too. I, I really, but he would be a great handcuff for Miles Sanders. I mean, that's Boston Scott's going to get a little bit more work, obviously, this year with you know the departure of Jordan Howard and you know Corey Clements. I mean, he's just kind of there. He's just a fill-in guy. Um, but I think Boston Scott for a late round flyer. I think he's ADP is like fourteen oh one. So I mean, it's, yeah, that that's good value. Sixty nine receiving yards off six receptions in week fourteen. Thirty nine off of seven receptions in week fifteen. Um. Uh. Then he had in week seventeen eighty four receiving yards off four receptions, and then in week eighteen he had twenty three yards off three receptions. Like he was utilized quite a bit and his rushing yards were pretty good too. Um, he got 19 carries in week 17. He didn't have a good yards per carry or yards per carry, but he had three touchdowns on the ground. Um, Absolutely. But overall cumulative for every game for the season, he was right at that four yards of carry mark. So it's, he had a good yeah. average yards per carry, just not in that one game. Cause yeah. he just volume is was what got him plus touchdowns. Yeah, 10 carries, 59 yards, 5.9 a, a pop, yep. one touchdown in week 14. I like him. And when I've said that people need to be a little cautious about Miles Sanders getting all the work like everyone's expecting him to get, and I'm not saying I don't like Miles Sanders. I'm not saying Miles Sanders couldn't be a good number 18 to 24 overall player. That's where he was getting drafted. Miles Sanders is climbing sometimes into the first round in recent That's drafts. That's insane to me. I know. That is insane. doesn't package in any risk at all. And everyone's saying there's no other running backs, Mitty. You're talking about running back by committee. Historically, the Eagles coaching staff leans on multiple running backs. How can you say that? There's no other running back in Philadelphia. Well, Boston, Boston, Scott. yeah, Boston Scott's being over overlooked, I think. And, and on top of that, Devonta Freeman could still land in Philadelphia. And I think that, that, he has more left in the tank than people think. No, he's not going to be a top five running back again. But I think Devonta Freeman would definitely eat into some of Miles Sanders' work. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't land in, in Philly, I think you're right. Boston Scott, who's only 25 years old, um, is definitely an intriguing option and and a great. I'd even call him more of a fourth or fifth or fifth running back on your team. You could probably get. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No. It, I, yeah. It, he's definitely at minimum your fourth running back. Ideally, fifth, but. Yeah, you you're you're in a world of hurt if he's your third. Yeah, that that's a I mean that's a sneaky good move for like a team that's like, damn, I've I've really I'm really thin at running back. I need somebody that maybe down the line is gonna get more work than initially. And that's kind of what boss that's the definition of Austin Scott. Sanders will probably be the guy right away, but if something happens to Sanders, wouldn't shock me at all if Boston Scott started four games, you know. Oh, absolutely. So that's a good one. I like that one. All right, Grant. Well, maybe we do a quarterback. I don't know if we'll be able to do middle round quarterback or uh, podcast next time, but we can go over quarterbacks maybe. Um, yeah, we can just separate them by tiers. And obviously, you know, Mahomes and Jackson's tier one. 
tier two from there is where everything starts getting intriguing and, and interesting. So that'd be that'd be really fun. Yeah, we'll do that next time. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. 